0: Welcome to Meaningful Journeys, a podcast about pilgrimage. I'm Dr. Heather Warfield and I am passionate about connecting humanity through our shared quests for meaning. In this podcast, I'll be talking with pilgrims and pilgrimage scholars, I will have conversations with people impacted by both ancient and contemporary pilgrimage journeys, and we will also hear from people who live at these sacred sites. This program is supported in part by Antioch University, New England, and the Meaningful Life Institute. In this episode of Meaningful Journeys, I will talk with Kiet Yandahun, the author of A Pilgrimage to Santiago, in which he writes about his own Camino experiences. Hear how he joined the Society of Camino Pilgrims, and how his journey led to personal and professional transformation.
1: What led to my first pilgrimage was that I, I, was, I was living in Spain in 2005. So that was for me a reason to, to go and do it. And why I wanted to do it, the year before, in 2004, in summer, I was in, in the Pyrenees. I was doing some kayaking and some trekking. And I had to cross from Spain into France. And I stopped in this little village, Ronservaille, and I stopped for a coffee and um, I had no idea where I was. For me, it was just a village and I was sitting down and having a coffee. And suddenly there were people walking, there were pilgrims passing by. And, you know, there were a few and then there were more and there were more. And I was like, so what's happening here? Who are those people? And I could actually see there were two different kinds of people. There were some people who just stepped out of an outdoor shop, you know, completely new uh outfitting and 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 packs and some people had been on on the way for a while the pilgrims had started in 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 france or even even further in holland or germany and then i thought you know i saw the signs and it's like this must be something with the camino you know something you know about you know about the camino and you don't know about it and suddenly i saw like the yellow arrows and i saw shells and I went to see to to, to find the alberga because there was also signs you could stay in Roncesvalles and you can only have access as a pilgrim. And for me, there was like, okay, this is kind of a society. This is a secret society doing things. And and I thought, well, I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to do it and walk. And I had no idea how far it was to Santiago or what, but just, yes, I'm probably going to do it one day.
0: I can just imagine the scene. You're enjoying a toasty cup of coffee in a quaint Spanish cafe. You become aware of people walking past and you conclude these people must belong to a secret society of pilgrims. So then you're sipping your coffee and you make a mental commitment that you'll join this society of pilgrims. And unbeknownst to you at the time, your life will be significantly transformed because of your decision. So what happened next?
1: Well, a lot of things happened. I just stepped out of a management consultancy. I had my own business in Holland. So I've been a management consultant for six years, had three partners, you know, successful, making money. But I was not happy. Something I felt something was lacking, something was missing. I, from the inside, it was not connected with something within.
0: Many people seem quite focused on the preparation for their Camino journeys. They spend a lot of time considering the minutiae of the pilgrimage as well as the obstacles that prevent them from going. What are your thoughts about preparation?
1: I meet people who are in a constant preparation and saying, next year I'm going to do it. And then, you know, as people in the village where I live, they've been telling me I'm going to walk the Camino, I'm, I'm getting ready, and then it's like... After five years, he suddenly finally is going and he went to do it. But it's, so it's also you could keep preparing and thinking you're not ready. So it's, it is also in the end, it's about to go and do it. I think the Camino is, is so beautiful as in you can walk 10 kilometers, you can walk five kilometers, you can walk 30 kilometers. You can you can decide for yourself what to do. There's no good, there's no bad, there's no time that you need to arrive and I think to realize this and to step into this feeling is very releasing It's not the way. It's, it's letting go of structure that we have to do things. The only thing you have to do is to walk and you don't have to worry about the context. This image came back of the Camino and it's like, I have time now. Why not? It's not like a rational thought or decision. It was more... This could be a moment. This could be a right moment where things you plan are not happening, sometimes for a reason. And you can have other plans, or I would say the universe has other plans with you, and you can decide. You can have a choice to, to go and do it. So I just stopped on a train in, in Granada to Madrid to Pamplona and opt on a bus to Ronsevalle. And And what was so beautiful about it is that by starting my journey, I got to Pamplona and it's like I'm a, you know, I'm special. I'm a pilgrim. Can't you see? And there was only one bus from Pamplona to Roncesvalles in the evening at six o'clock. And I ended getting there at, you know, before at five and there were more people. And in the end, there was like a full bus of pilgrims. And I felt like I'm a pilgrim, but not that special anymore because there's more people. And when we arrived at Roncesvalles at like eight o'clock, there were taxis waiting. It was like a circus. It was like they knew that the bus was coming with pilgrims and they were going to take them to Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. And then I thought, no, no, I'm not going to be part of this. So I got off the uh, off the bus in Roncesvalles, didn't get into a taxi and found a place to sleep because they wouldn't allow me into the alberga because I was coming back because I decided to walk to Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, to walk from Spain to France to get uh, a pilgrim's passport, to sign up. And just walk back. So I crossed the Pyrenees twice in two days to arrive again the day after in Ronsalvaia. And then I could stay in the alberga. So, yeah, that's the way it started.
0: It seems like there's a bit of disparity between your expectations of a secret society of pilgrims and the reality of the throngs of people you observed at the beginning of your journey. I'd like to hear about how you experienced
1: this. Well, it was maybe more the expectation that there wouldn't be that many people it's probably also not being able to grasp how big it is because there's only the 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 little place you see the parts you see but not how big the path is from the Pyrenees to Santiago is like 800 kilometers but also not realizing how many people walk every day and that's on a daily basis people walking to Santiago and then especially if you start in September there's more and more people and also people from all over the world realizing that people come from all over the world for many, many different reasons to walk the Camino. So it's, for me, it was more like, it's like in the morning when you wake up early, you have to get up really early to go to work and you feel sorry for yourself because you, think, you know, I'm the only one getting up early. And then you, you get outside and suddenly there's more people. You get on the road, there's more people. And suddenly you're in the traffic jam. You know, There's all these people on their way. It, it felt a little bit like
0: that. Was your expectation that you would be more of a singular pilgrim? I had no idea. I had no clue. In a way, it was scary. It
1: was a scary thing to start because what am I going to do and where am I going to stay? You have all the questions when you start in Saint-Jean-Pierre. Can I do it? And then you read the books and people tell you, oh, it's difficult. It's dangerous. It's a long day. And you still you have to do it first before you can understand and relate to yourself. I realized after a couple of days it's like this is silly you know it, it doesn't matter i don't have to make it this way and then stay in this Alberga because something might happen on the way or i might want to walk further or i meet people and we stop somewhere else so i let go completely and just walk and probably had an idea where i wanted to go for that day but it didn't matter i didn't know what to expect only that i was going to start on my own and what was interesting is like i was meeting all the people i was going to walk with the weeks after because there, i think there were 70 i met on the way so there were 70 people started in that morning in saint-jean-pierre de and they was like where, where are you going and i had to explain to everybody what was happening and then to return and then i, I would catch up with them so that's the way it started for me but on the camino you're not alone There's always people around. It's like, there's in a way, there's always people you can see ahead of you and behind you. So you're not alone. You can choose to walk in silence or not with somebody to be accompanied with. But you're not alone. And also, you arrive in an alberga, you sleep in bunk beds. So there's somebody on top of the bed or on, on, on the down bed. Sometimes they're close together, somebody sleeping next to you. So it is being part of this big family.
0: There are so many ways to transverse the Camino. I've heard stories of people walking, cycling, taking a car, certainly going by horseback. And I'd like to hear more about your timeline and how you completed your journey.
1: I was fit. I walked fast. I walked the 800 kilometers in like 27 days without stopping and no brakes. If I had like a break, I would have like a half a day. I would walk 15 kilometers and stop for midday so I could wash. So the average would be like 200 kilometers a week.
0: Throughout the decade that I've been talking to people about their pilgrimage journeys, I continually hear countless stories of serendipitous happenings that occur during the journey. These examples of serendipity seem to add to the meaning that people create around these pilgrimage journeys. And I'd love for you to share a story about serendipity that occurred during your pilgrimage.
1: It's happening on a daily basis. It is sometimes like arriving and you just have the last bed. It's like you're the only person and there's just one bed left for you. So that's arriving and you've not been rushing. You've been taking your time and you arrive and you have the last bed. There's days like this. I was walking with somebody, a German man. He was like an artist. And we had this really, really intense conversation. And it was also about self-love. And we were going deep. It was intense. We were walking quietly together, walking into a village. And suddenly we went around the corner and we heard music. And it was like, Tiamo, you know, I love you. So, and he was looking at me, it's like, no, this can't be true. And it's like, I think it is true. It's so that's also what's happening. For me, it, it's like being completely in the moment. That's what I love. I'm learning to be more and more in the moment, to be just arrive and be there. There's not before, there's no after. It's just being in the moment. And that's where it's happening. You, you meet amazing people who you're supposed to meet.
0: After walking for nearly one month and having these intense experiences like the one you just mentioned, what is it actually like to reach Santiago?
1: On one hand, it feels unreal. On one hand, it feels unreal that you've been walking for all this time, for four weeks. And then suddenly you realize you walk into Santiago, that your journey is finished. In a way, it it stops in Santiago. And it still strikes me when i arrive in santiago it's like there's always the day after you don't have to pack your bag as you 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 move on as a pilgrim you're 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 passing by uh, and also there's no yellow arrow so i feel lost in a way i feel lost walking around in a town and there's no direction you just walk around you have a coffee you go for lunch or you meet people so that's one it's it's finished and you feel lost and also you realize it's a last saying goodbye it's all the people you've met and if you stay in Santiago for four or five days you meet people or people have arrived and arrive after you you've been walking with so it's like you meet old friends from feels like a long time ago that you've met two or three weeks before on the Camino and you meet again and it's like you catch up with the stories. But then it's like a real saying goodbye because people go back to, uh, to the States, to Brazil, to South Korea, South Africa, Australia, Holland, back to their normal life, back to ordinary life. That's also a realization as in it's a strong feeling because, you know, am, am I ready? Am I ready to leave the Camino? Am I ready to go back home? And I think also the only way to find out what has happened, what the Camino has done to you is to go back home and to touch base because that's stayed the same. And that's where you can only see by connecting with the people, with people close to you, what happened to you in, inside and how it has changed you or how you see the world maybe in a different light. That's also part of it.
0: That's such an important point. The point about returning home and seeing what has remained the same, it really seems like a mirror that reflects the transformation of the pilgrim. The pilgrimage itself is a departure from the mundane and the ordinary, and yet what you're describing is a transformed pilgrim that must return to this ordinary mundane life. I'm curious about your own transition back home. What changed for you during your pilgrimage?
1: That's also a good question, because I went back to Granada back to the business that was not working. But it felt like you, you go on, on a high for weeks. The, the Camino sticks with you. It stays with you. It's like the feeling peaceful. You know, what is really important? What matters to you? It's the people. So it was also like the intensity of meeting with people was much stronger. And it's also the realization It's like you stick to what you have learned to this feeling and you find a way to integrate it in in daily life. Or you say, you know, I've done the Camino, I tick it off, you know, it's off my bucket list and I continue with my life. Then it's just, it slowly fades. You know, you've done it and you, you still have some people. Even though the first time i walked was in 2005. So it's like, there was not like the Facebook was not, I don't think it was there yet. So it was also a different way of connecting to people. What I see now is the first thing people do is when they meet, you exchange your telephone number for WhatsApp or Facebook and we're connected with each other. In 2005, that was not possible. So you could meet people and you would leave notes for them. You would, the serendipity or the synchronicity of life, you depend more, much more on it that you would meet up on the moment when it was there or you would leave a note even on on signposts or with albergues or you talk to people and they might have heard from somebody. So it was getting your information in a completely different way and not having the control of how you wanted it to be. I think I was more at peace with myself, but I was still searching for what I was going to do with my life. And the, the Camino didn't give an answer. That's also what I learned. The Camino is not giving you an answer. You have to find the answer yourself, but you might connect with people or people might be the mirror for you, or you might get information or, or ideas or connections that will help you on the way.
0: You just mentioned being more at peace with yourself. This seems to be a significant result of your pilgrimage journey. What other health-related benefits have you experienced because of this pilgrimage journey or your other pilgrimage journeys?
1: Every time it's like, especially if you make a longer one, because you can also, there's like, if you walk from Porto, it's like only 250 kilometers and you, you can do it in 10 to 14 days. That's different than if you would walk four weeks in a row, because that's where you go through different phases. It's more for like the first week, it's like landing and connecting to the path and feeling your pack, And it's everything hurts, your feet getting used to being a pilgrim and then the second week you get more into the walking and you get into a state of being. It's like you're flowing through the landscape. And so it's like, and then after the third, the last week you're getting out of it, reaching Santiago. But what happens to you? You're outside all day. You're just outside walking and just the exercise. You can feel your body get stronger. You'll get so fit. Even if, you know, if the sun is shining if it's raining, if it's windy, you're out. So it's also, it's good for the mind and your will. It's like, there's no way that you can say, I'm not going to walk today. You're out for, you know, you're here to walk. A pilgrim walks. So whatever the weather or whatever the situation, you're walking. And so you, you feel your body getting stronger. It's so important because that feeling and maybe even the pain or your first blisters or feeling your shoulders brings you in the air and now. You have to let go of back home. You have to let go of the life you leave behind. And and just by that first week of feeling uncomfortable as the life of a pilgrim, sleeping in albergues with the groups of people, the snoring, whatever it is, it brings you in in the moment. It's such a good way to empty your mind is by being and meeting pilgrims. And, And that's also where the serendipity comes in. I think you always meet the people you have to meet. So it's like you could be talking to people who you know, you have to have that conversation with. So also in a mental way. You're getting the input, you're getting thoughts or you empty your mind and you let go. It's like what matters is the walking and, and the other the, the noise becomes smaller. It's getting less and less the noise on, on in, in your mind and in the end it's the walking. So that's I
0: think an essential part. You're talking here about learning to be present in the moment, about the importance of being outdoors and about being open to meeting people you were meant to meet. What other lessons can we learn from your experience?
1: I think if we could approach life in such a way, I think there was less violence. I think we would be living in a more peaceful world. Also, it's like, as I said, when you start, when you walk the Camino, it feels like family. It's not like, you know, we have to get acquainted first and maybe tomorrow we'll have a drink. You, you might sleep next to somebody you don't know from, from the other side of the world or have dinner with them. And you talk about what matters. You go in deep. You just jump in, in the deep end. Everybody does. It, because if you don't, then you will be a loner and you, you stay away from it. So that's also what's happening on, on the Camino. So it's about showing your true self. It's about being you. You don't have to wear a mask on the Camino, as we do pretend maybe in real life, staying strong, stepping into the, the expectations of, of other people, of an employer, of your spouse, of your children. It's about being you. It's not about being different or bigger or stronger. It's just being yourself and to show who you are and, and with your talents and your dreams. And I think somehow... We can't share this in real life. We're too busy, busy with work or having two jobs. And we're not allowed to dream because, you know, who are you to dream? Or if you talk about gender or we're coming from a different continent, we have a different skin. It doesn't matter on the Camino. And I think that's the most amazing thing, what everybody feels.
0: You've been sharing a lot here about the internal transformation that happened during your pilgrimage, and I'd like to return to something you said at the beginning of our conversation. You alluded to professional changes as you sought a more meaningful work situation. I'm wondering what happened after your Camino journey in terms of professional transformation.
1: So what happened is that I, I started taking people for walks instead of sitting in an office with a table and chairs. We would go out and walk and you could be silent for 10 minutes and walk next to each other and it would be okay. So that's where it made also an impact on, it added on the work as a coach that I do. Then also it's like I thought maybe I can take people on the Camino. That's also what just started and I've been taking professionals, I've been working with psychologists, I've been working with families. Which is again completely different. As you, it's in a way you're not walking your camino. It's like I, I try to create a safe environment for the people I walk with and arrange, but for them to experience the camino as being there. So it's not like completely organizing everything and pamper them. No, it, it's being a pilgrim, but knowing what to do. And I can step in if if necessary. And that's just the beautiful things. Have them land, and it's like again that first week. Where am I? But then it's like, okay, finding your way as a pilgrim, becoming a pilgrim, and then it gets easier and easier. And the Camino helps me by bringing other people on the path also. In 2015, I was giving a workshop and I had somebody in this workshop with a visual impairment. And she just asked me, you think I can walk the Camino being visually impaired? And I said, I don't know. I have no clue so we had, we had a talk and we went for a walk and, and I said, I think you can do this. But if you have this dream, then maybe there's more people who would love to do this and think, I can't do it. People tell me I can't do it anymore. And, you know, There's a limitation. Uh, I've given up on this dream. There could be many more reasons why they're not doing it. So let's do it. And then within half a year, we started a foundation, got some funding found a group of people, we found people with a visual impairment and we found people, we found buddies to walk with them and we brought them together and, and we ended up going to walk to Santiago in October 2015. This year we will be going for our fifth time, every time with a different group of people and, and people have to, you know, they have to send in a letter with a, mo- with a motivation. The Visually impaired, the buddies, all based on equality. It's not that it's like, you know, one is more important than the other. They pay the same amount of money and they walk as pilgrims. So it's not that one is blind or visually impaired and the other is like a caretaker and knows exactly how to take this other person to Santiago. No, they go and find out and walk together. And as pilgrims, we reach Santiago. So the Camino has been very important and maybe that's also the message. What's in it as you ask me, oh, what did it do to you? And sometimes it's also, it's planting seeds as in what's going to come for you. If you listen to your intuition, if you listen to that voice inside and stay connected with what is important to you instead of the outside world, the material world, a magic can happen. And then it's like it comes to you. The people come to you, the questions come to you. And then again with the Camino is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to take it or hold on to it and say, okay, let's find out.
0: As we wrap up our conversation, I'm wondering if you can share one poignant insight about why the Camino pilgrimage is such a meaningful experience.
1: Well, I would say the walking the Camino is humbling as in it's so much bigger than you. It brings things back to perspective and we're just a small, we're small in this world. It's not about control and how we want things. The humble part is that the right things happen to you when you just walk and just be. It's not about exactly planning out where you want to go, how it's going and who you're going to meet. No, it's about trusting. It's about being humble, being in the moment and trusting that the right things will come to you. And that's also in real life. And that's maybe a very difficult thing because you have to trust yourself. You have to walk with confidence. You have to give All you have, all your energy, you have to put in your next step. And if you can do so, then it's all about the next step. So maybe being humble, feeling humble. Yes, we don't have to look that much further than our next step. If we make it a right next step, a good next step, it'll bring us to our destination.
0: You can learn more about Gert Jan's work on his website, www.voyagebeyond.org. You just heard A Pilgrimage to Santiago, produced by Dr. Heather Warfield and edited by Janine Marr. Copyright 2019, all rights reserved. Thank you for listening to Meaningful Journeys. This program is supported in part by Antioch University New England and the Meaningful Life Institute. We would love to connect with you on social media on Instagram, on Twitter, and Facebook, or by email info at meaningfuljourneys.net or our website www.meaningfuljourneys.net. We hope you will join us next time on our shared quest for meaning as we connect humanity one step at a time.